Welcome to This is the Pits, starring Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. It's so great to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, and it's so great that... By the way, did you see that Bradley well, Cooper is a single well, Pringle now? I'll tell you what, he's not a single Pringle. He's good dating Lady Gaga on the side. That's what the, This is why I br- opened up that way. I didn't even mean to. He's just been on my mind since I read that article. <laughs> I know. He's been in my dreams and in my heart ever since. What a delight. Yeah. Well, so anyway, here we are. This is The Pits, um, where we actually normally talk about Brad Pitt, um, Brad Pitt and um, his movies. Sometimes Angelina Jolie, sometimes Jennifer Aniston, and sometimes, on the worst of occasions, we talk about Juliette Lewis. But today we're talking about the movie from 2011 called Tree of Life. I just want to back up really quick and say one more thing about <laughs> Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga really quickly. Is that the I was reason, hoping you would. No, but the reason I bring it up is because people keep coming to me and being like, oh my god, is this the new Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Like... Happy couple married, yeah. couldn't be more in love, does a movie with someone where the chemistry is off the fucking chain and everybody's like, wait, why aren't they together? And then, yeah. lo and behold, they be together. They're going to, I mean, they fucking, they for sure, like, did oh you God. see and them? And they fucking should be fucking, that chemistry should not be denied, it should be celebrated. Yeah, it's true. And you know what? Brad Pitt and Angelina got a lot of shit just because Jennifer Aniston was beloved, but... They had an undeniable chemistry. And like you yeah. said, a chemistry like yeah. that should not, it should be celebrated. And okay. yes, okay, the cheating is horrible. No one likes a cheater. But we're only human flesh and blood, honestly. And like sometimes you grow and change and like the relationship is over and you have unbelievable chemistry with someone. And instead of cheating, he should have just broke it off. Which they did, though. Well, that's so. what I'm saying. I think I think the tabloids want us to think it's like some nasty thing. I think what he did was he cheated and then he broke up. Or he in didn't cheat cases. and he broke up in order to be with that person. Impossible. There is no way that they filmed that movie without fucking. If two people are going to fuck, they're going to fuck. I don't care what you're trying to say. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> Ooh, how are you, Michael? Tell me, tell me everything on the planet that you are doing. It's fucking hot as hell in L.A. It's like, so I have a fan pointed six feet away from me, pointed directly at my body because it is hot, hot, hot here. Oh, wow. Well, we're getting into them summer months. Yeah, we're getting into the summer. And for some reason, I think this apartment, this like the, I tied something to the ceiling in my apartment the other day. And I touched the ceiling, and it was hot like an oven. Like, <laughs> it, the well, ceiling was hot. Because of, <laughs> of the roof. It, You're on yeah, the top floor. I am. And mm. I think that the heat seeps down, and it makes it hot in this room. In the whole, it's fucked up. Anyway, how are you? You've had a quite the. We were supposed to record yesterday, but you had quite the journey. <laughs> so, I'm and, sitting, so I'm sitting in Prospect Park at a wedding of two. Gay men on Brooklyn Pride Day. It was like a beautiful. We're like in this glen. The breeze is blowing. These two men love each other so much. It was like kind of like so Lady gay. Gaga and and Bradley Cooper. It was like oh my God. these two need <laughs> to be together. The chemistry is outrageous. <laughs> They've always needed to be together. And I look over at my boyfriend. Tears in my eyes from the vows. Tears in my eyes from the vows. And I look over at him, and he has this like look of panic on his face, <laughs> and he just sort of like twists his arms up, and he's got this. Horrible rash. <laughs> but he's trying to play it cool because they're mid vow. 
<laughs> so <laughs> it's Brooklyn Pride. The city is like fucking alive. I want to do everything in the world. We end up going and spending the day in urgent care and not. What happened? What happened to his arms? They don't know. He had some sort of an allergic reaction, so they gave him steroids and they gave him um, some antihistamines. But it's funny because like the emergency room on Brooklyn Pride weekend in the part of Brooklyn where I live is, you know, going to be popping off. It's just as much of a party it's in the hospital as it is outside. Exactly. Yeah, my boyfriend's there for Brooklyn Pride. He performed last night. He actually performed and was so he got food poisoning. Oh, fuck. And that's the worst. He threw up nine times before <gasps> pre- before and while performming. He said he like got out of the cab and immediately vomited. Oh, and poor baby. He went into the venue and just sat in the back and like would periodically go throw up. And then he went and, if you watched the performance, you wouldn't know. Um that's a so, true performer right there. Brooklyn Pride baby. Meatball, um, spicy meatball on Instagram. Go check him out. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, it's time to talk about this movie. I think, right? Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about the world in which the movie came out. Well, because it's 2011 now, and guess what happened in 2011? Mm. This little bitch graduated high school. Oh, so, you little idiot! And it's also, <laughs> it's also when I started working, or when I started going to college in San Francisco. So. Big Oh, go. also it came out that year. So big year for me. Wow. I was working on the Biggest Loser Ranch in uh, Calabasas, California. And I only know this because as I was reviewing the important things of that year, the number one cultural phenomenon of that year was Rebecca Beck's Friday. Oh, yeah. Yep. You I know? remember that. I remember that because, like I said, I was a senior in high school. And I was Could like, never. fuck Oh my god, fuck this. Like, you could like never I was I hated it. it so much. Yeah. Um, then I'm gonna give you just a few little tidbits. There's not a lot. Uh, the biggest one probably is that Osama bin Laden was caught that year. Mm. And mm. Obama Mr. Um, Barack Obama announced it and it was a big deal. Um, Steve Jobs died also around the same time as Bin Laden died. Yeah, allegedly, but yeah. The number one album that year was Adele's 21 with Rolling in the Deep, like, smashing the fucking I still charts. listen to that shit. That song's it's great, so... It's a everything, brilliant album. I mean, everything Adele does is perfect. She's an angel. Um, also, to loop it into the movie that we watched... Yeah. Um, on March 25th of, 20, of 2011, um, there were new artificial... New archaeological facts in Texas, which is why it loops into the movie, because the movie we watched takes place in Texas, mm-hmm. that indicated human existence in America 15,500 years ago, which is oh, 2,000 wow. years earlier than we thought. Oh, well, that's just fascinating. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I wouldn't be able to have guessed how long humans have lived in America yeah. You know why? Because the education system failed me. It's time to to talk a little bit about the education system in America and how shit it is. Um, I'm not sure this is the place for that. <laughs> well, okay. All right. Well, I guess I know <laughs> where you stand on the subject. <laughs> I say keep them dumb. Keep them dumb. Keep them um, dumb. Christopher Columbus was a good guy. Christopher Columbus was a great guy. Just kidding. No, please don't. Christopher Columbus was a terrible guy. No, Christopher Columbus was a bad guy. Um, the Holocaust did happen, and uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga for sure fucked. And they're gonna and they're continuing to fuck. And I got news for you: give it one to three months, and we'll get an announcement. Okay. Yes. Now, final thing about 2011. 
Um, and about Brad Pitt, who is the guy who we're talking about. Right. Um, so the this movie came out actually three years before, three years after he recorded it. Yeah, well, you know who was supposed to play his main role? Heathy. Heath Ledger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, that wasn't your fact, though. What was your thing? No, my fact was that he um, is rocking this look that I want to put on our Instagram where he's wearing long hair with a goatee. And it is a living nightmare for me to look at him in this way. <laughs> it is the skeeziest. Like, this movie is so beautiful and so you mean- emotional. And then when he, by the time it came out, who he was as a person, physically, just didn't go with the press that he had to do. So that's all. Yeah. I had to why say. did he? I remember that phase. Why did he have long hair and a weird beard? That shit was going on at home. I think this is when he and Angelina started to fight, or they were just about to get married. I don't remember, but he looked like garbage. And I've never, you know, I I don't usually say Brad Pitt looks like garbage. I mean, because he never does. No, he looks damn near perfect all the time. I want to know, and I've been wanting to ask you, since I sat down to watch this movie, what yeah. you think about it. Do you like it? Yes no. Or no. Well, God, it's so hard mm, to say, because this I is one of those so movies. I was so curious about this. You I'm know, it's surprised. one of those. Well, I didn't hate it the way I hate some movies, but it was just so slow. Mm. And it, felt, it, was, it was a slice of life movie, which, you know, I sort of... It, I wrote down in my notes that it feels like a college thesis movie that went on way too long and nobody told them that they needed to have a story, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I wasn't, when I first sat down to watch it and it was like all of that weirdo trippy shit and they like go back to the dinosaurs and all of this stuff, I was like, what the fuck am I watching? This movie is taking itself so seriously. But then... I kept trying to be like, I was annoyed because I was like, they want me to have to think about this. They want me to have to come up with my own reasons for why I'm watching this. And I'm annoyed by that because I just want to relax and enjoy it. But then it was fun for me to be like, okay, what does this mean? Why am I here? And after the movie finished, I find myself over the last like two weeks, every time I think about it, liking it more than I did what I was actually watching. Yeah. Okay. See, that's The more I think about it, the more I really like it. And the reason why I think that's important is because I think that was intentional. Yeah. So I, that's why I was like not 100% about how I felt about it because when I first watched it, I was the same way. I was like, okay, what's going on? I feel like they want me to think there's so much heavy handed symbolism that I just, I'm like, Oh God, it's exhausting. Like physically exhausting to, to try to think about what they're trying to say in the movie. And that's tiring and not that interesting. But, um, thinking about it later, I liked the cinematography and I liked some of the little vignettes that they had. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, it's like a hard movie to watch or to suggest that somebody watch, you know, to like tell somebody to watch this movie. Exactly. You don't want to tell somebody to watch this movie, but. Unless you hate them. Well, I don't know. Okay. So. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, I need to make sense of why I'm watching dinosaurs and why I'm watching the universe. And like, what in the fuck am I supposed to mean? Then when I like solved that answer for myself, it was like solving a crossword. It was like, okay, now this is like, I gave it like a rubric that it fell into. And once I had realized what that was, which I'll tell you in a second, I was like, okay, I'm just going to look at it through my own lens, not try to figure anything out and then just try to make the story happen 
through the acting of the actors. Yeah. So what I was thinking was all of the shit that we saw, all of that like universal stuff and the dinosaurs and the like trippy, oily things. Yeah. We're just showing how complicated and how much work goes into making one human being in one time and place just for it to be taken away by death. And I'm assuming he was killed in a war. They never really tell us. No. No, no, no. It it was like, uh, it was about the discovery of like loss of innocence and like, see, but that's uh, what I'm saying. We get to make that up. Nobody ever says that. Yeah, I, I guess. So I thought that was interesting because you could make your narrative and I could make my narrative, but either way we feel like we need to explain what we watched. Kind of. I mean, I, I think that the direct... I mean, yeah. Okay. Not kind of. You're right. Because you can... Th- since it's not overtly said, and this is something that I've always believed about any sort of art, is that once the artist makes the thing, they can no longer say what it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? They can say, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to hold true. And that's not how... If the public decides it's one thing and it's not what you intended, it doesn't matter. How it's perceived is what it is. So, right. so although I, I think Terrence Malick's intention, um, Terrence Malick, who is the director, by the way, I think his intention with this shit was to chronicle the, the um, loss of innocence of somebody and like what, what goes into making somebody's personality and... Um, that's so interesting. I didn't think about that at all. I think that's his, that was his intention. And like the thing with the dinosaurs was like showing the first act of empathy. So I did read that. It wasn't the first act of empathy. It was the first act of thought of like having intention behind your thought. Intention. Yeah. So I read that, but after the fact, my point is like the experience, the experience of sitting there watching it. We make our own narratives. When, we, when I'm sitting there watching it, I'm thinking, okay, I need to come up with a reason why I'm watching this. What's going on in the screen? Then we, you and I have the lucky like, world in which we go and then we do research and we hear what we, you know, we try to find answers to what we, were, what we had just watched. But so when you saw the dinosaur, you thought, oh, that's a dinosaur making a decision. I didn't. I, I think in a way I did. I was watching it and I was just like, so I forget what happens right before the dinosaur thing, but I just remember being like, okay, so that was an important moment, and then we're going back, and we're going back, and we're going back, and then I see this dinosaur, and I'm like, okay, so this is about, like, the foundation of some sort of, like, thought that is ap- applicable to something else in the movie. Right. Like, something's going to happen with these dinosaurs where whatever happens is going to apply to the story. And when the, it decided not to kill the thing, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so there's, I guess that's the thing. But I was bored. I was mad at it, and I was bored. I was like, this is taking way too long to get to the point. I don't need to see all this to understand that the dinosaur had a feeling. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. And why dinosaurs? Do we have to go that far back? I mean, good God, this was millions of years ago. Well, I have a few thoughts. One, I think if I had seen it in a movie theater, it would be very different than when I watched it at home on my screen. Yeah. Because also, like, the sound design is incredible. The colors are incredible. Like, if I were to just experience that without wanting to get a story from it, it would be fine. 
but in planted into the movie, you're like, because I personally think that the acting is incredible and the way that it looks when we're watching the live action is yeah. so lovely and soulful and yeah, tan- I agree. it's like tangible. So like you kind of like don't want to go to that outer space because you, because it's so comfortable in Texas. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, th- I think that the, the, I think the reason that I was bothered by it is just because I'd seen so many movies that don't do what this movie does well. Like, this movie does what it's trying to do very well. The slice of life thing where there's not a strong story, it's more like more like showing you a message of some sort as opposed yeah. to telling you a story. The cinematographer said it's meant to trigger tons of memories, like a scent or a por- or a perfume. It's not supposed to give you yeah. like a book. And I think novel. that this this movie does do that very well. But oh my god, when I'm watching like people who don't do that very well, I just am watching it thinking they think that they're on some Terrence Malick bullshit. They think that they're making the well, fucking tree of life. How many fucking this is the thing about directors in our day and age like there's directors who want to be tarantino and then there's like directors who want to be terrence malick he is a fucking icon so many people want to be terrence malick for he's a genius. good reason because that yeah. what this is okay so i guess i do think it's a good movie because this is not That's the thing it's undeniably good even it's, though it's yeah. not necessarily enjoyable which is a weird thing to say yeah it you is you know because when you're sitting there watching it you're not being like, oh my god, this is incredible. But the package, it's like, it's like eating mushrooms doesn't taste good and they make you vomit. But the <laughs> response to mushrooms is lovely. So you can understand that you've just seen great art, even if you're not necessarily enjoying the whole thing. Which I did enjoy most of it. I would but- have enjoyed... Um, I, I think I would have enjoyed this movie more if I was on Mushrooms. Hundred percent. I w- I kept saying like I wish I was in a movie theater, high out of my mind on marijuana. I would fucking love it. Um, quick thing about Terrence Malick, which I didn't know because he is such a genius, and it's true. Like you walk away from it, and you're like, "Here's the thing. I may or may not have liked it, but you, but it, but it's beautiful." And it won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, and it's like, yeah, universally lauded. Um, yeah. For something for something that's so ungraspable to the m- common person, mm-hmm. it's like. That's pretty impressive. Anyway, he studied philosophy at Harvard and at Oxford. He was a Rhodes scholar who translated oh Heidegger, <laughs> who translated Heidegger at Northwestern University and published when he was twenty five. <laughs> and then he was what like, if... "I want to be, yeah." Then I want to be a filmmaker and I want to talk about Christ and the cosmos. <laughs> okay, so Chelsea, I think we can agree then. This guy is a douche bag. <laughs> no, I think we can agree that this guy is a gene. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, you. Y- I'm one quick of question, quick question. Problem. Do you want to fuck Terrence Malick? <laughs> oh my god, I would love to. The thing is, knew though, it. that's I knew another it. thing You're about Terrence You're attracted to Malick. a brain. Uh, I'm only attracted to a brain. <laughs> Literally, I'm so attracted to brains. But the other thing about Terrence Malick is that he never showed his face. He didn't go to any of the premieres. He didn't give any interviews. I, I didn't even want to... I, I was tempted to look up what he looked like, because I never have seen what he looks like, because he's notoriously hides away from public eye. But then I was like, he doesn't want me to see him, and I respect him as my lover, as my boyfriend. Yep, I knew it. I knew that you wanted his his brains. I it's want, like you want to collect the brain, and you want to keep it for yourself. Brains. 
You know, here's a fun fact that you can do. If you go to a pair of balls and you gather them together <laughs> in such a way, you can make it look like a brain. And then you can really just <laughs> suck the brain right off of them. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so that's a fun... That's how I... Uh, suck brain. Ew, that's so <laughs> gross. That's like the grossest thing. Suck brain. I hate that. Brain. Um, what are you, a zombie? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about how this movie was actually made because that I think is the most fascinating part about. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, movie. I think we should talk about how. I mean, and we'll get to Brad Pitt. Like, we will get to Brad yeah, we'll Pitt because there. there's a we'll lot there. to say. But yeah, it's. I mean, we. I. It feels like it's important to talk about some of the things about the movie overall first to establish that before we can get into Brad Pitt. Um, and I think that it's really interesting that they had a, like a code of conduct or a, a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what do you call it there? I forget what the word is. The dogmas, mm-hmm. the, the cinematography dogma, yeah. um, which is their like list of rules for the cinematography. And they're, they're good. It's, it shows it's just intentional. You know what I mean? It's very intentional, and I like that they, about like where they but want the light to come from and all this stuff. But so here's what I thought was so interesting. It is really intentional, but it's also entirely unintentional. Like It's planned out along the dogma, but the actual action wasn't really necessarily planned out. They had no practical lighting. They only used natural light. I think that their cinematography rules... Like, they had so many cinematography rules in place about about lighting and framing and all that shit, so that they could, if they were following all the rules, that the shots would be composed well, and that can allow for a more natural feeling action and movement, because all of these, if, as long as they don't break any of their rules, it, the shot's not going to get fucked up. You yeah, know, cause, exactly. Like, so the action could change, which... I loved because they had so they had four different houses that were the one main house so that they could film throughout the day according to the different light. Yeah, it was all natural light and one or two cameras, like minimal minimal so crew. Fun. So fun. And then what I loved about uh, Terrence Malick as a director is like this really went um, hit home for me. Like when Jessica Chastain and Brad Pitt are fighting, they would do the scene. And they would just do it how they felt it. He didn't really direct that. And then the next take, he would just like send a kid in mid-fight. And you'd have to watch these two real people be like, there's a kid here watching us fight. And the kids never read the script. So like, it was pure action. Or like, when when he, when he she plays with the butterfly. That was a real butterfly. That he, Terrence Malick was just like, nope, move. Let's follow the butterfly. We need to get her hold it playing the butterfly. Like, Oh I my just, god, that butterfly thing, how they followed yeah. it. He just yeah. saw a butterfly and they followed it around the neighborhood for three blocks until they can get yeah. it to land on her hand. First of all, as, as a producer slash production manager, if that happened on set, I would be like so fucking mad. I'd be like, what are we, where, no. wait, where are they? No, you what are wouldn't. They? No, you wouldn't because you would have such a minimal crew. It's like audio, one camera. <laughs> it's like nothing. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, d- I doubt it though. They had to have a lot of grip. I mean, like, they sure they didn't light it, but they had grips to control the light that they were getting and make it softer and shit like that. Yeah, sure, but I mean, it's not it's not a huge company move, you know? It's not like... No, yeah, I know. But, it, but I just imagine there's a big set with, like, base camp and catering and PAs and a whole thing, and then the director and a cameraman and one actor just run off, and I'm like, yeah, wait, fun, fun, fun. where are they? Yeah, like, I love that shit. It's... it's 
I do think it's it's really cool that they did it backwards like that, where instead of planning out each shot meticulously, they did the opposite and they meticulously made rules so that they didn't have to plan shots exactly. and still could get good results. And I think I read a few times that uh, Terrence Malick called it torpedoing. He'd be like, set up everything the way he needed it. And then every shot he would torpedo. He would put something in there that was unexpected, which really helps to create that like maudlin um, nostalgic feeling that you get when you watch it, which is totally intentional, which I love like the not having a planned out hardcore script and not having like a solid fluid line helps to do that. Like whisper feeling that I think we're supposed to get. Um, Brad Pitt said, instead of doing little rewrites of scenes to be shot on a certain day, Terry would get up in the morning and meditate and write his thoughts about a day's work. And we got handed four pages, single-spaced, and they'd be stream-of-consciousness ideas that we would have to incorporate into the day's work. Like, this is not your traditional filmmaking. Yeah, remind me to never work for Terrence Malick. <laughs> I mean, I would kill to work for Terrence Malick. Are you I joking? W- no, I wouldn't. I, would, I wouldn't want to. It would just be so much, like, I don't know. I feel like it would be so many changes constantly, and it would... I mean, just from, like, a production standpoint, it would be so stressful. It would, from a creative standpoint, working with Terrence Malick would be a dream come true. I think that he's so, I think that he's so famous and so respected that I feel like it wouldn't be as rigid. I feel like, I feel like you'd have to expect that. So, therefore, it wouldn't be as scary as you think it is. Yeah, maybe. You might be right. So, the other cool thing about production that was different is that all of the special effects were practical. They got the guy from, um, uh, the guy who did all of the practical effects for 2001, a space odyssey. Oh yeah. 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 To make who was all retired. that stuff. Who they was pulled retired. him out of retirement. To yeah. He hadn't worked in 30 years. He said they worked with chemicals, paint, fluorescent dyes, smoke, liquid, CO2s, flares, spin, dishes, fluid dynamics, lighting on high speed photography to see how effective they might be. So um, cool. Yeah, his name was Trumbull. And he said Trumbull, it was like a freewheeling opportunity to explore, something that I have found extraordinarily hard to get in the movie business. Terry didn't have any preconceived ideas of what something should look like. We did things like pour milk through a funnel into a narrow trough and shoot it with, at a high-speed camera with a folded lens. Like, fun! Yeah, it's just like experimental shit. This yeah. is a full-blown senior thesis project made by professionals who are real grown-ups with real money and good ideas that they know like things that they know are going to work and be yeah. interesting and good to look at so which leads me to did you actually did you do the money the number i did because yeah. i didn't i didn't look at it at all but i think this is a good segue into how much money did he actually get to play with 32 million dollars 32 million dollars okay which is i mean for a movie that stars brad pitt that's on the low end but it also was produced by Brad Pitt, so he probably got money in different places. Sure, no, but I mean, like that—that, that, um, like, if you have a big name like Brad Pitt attached, and you, also you're Terrence Malick, yeah. thirty-two million dollars is not—it's, I mean, it's not crazy. It's—it's it's not like a you know, no, no, fifty no, or sixty or seventy all. million. It's—it's it's relatively low I'd for so. how much star power it has in it. Um, What's interesting that it was Jessica Chastain was like new in her career at that point. So funny because now she's like a big old thing. She's a Hollywood movie star. Well, how, so what did you think about Brad in this? Michael, I loved 
Brad in this. Same. Loved to, I can't wait to get to our ratings because I think, I think this is his best role. So why? What, what did you, oh my God, best role. Very One interesting. Of them. I think it's the most actory, I guess. Like it feels like he could have been in a play. Like he yeah. could have been, I just thought the emotions that he felt, maybe it's because he's a father, maybe it's because he wasn't, or because he knew what he was working with. I don't know what it was, but I thought, first of all, the way he looked was really great. That styling on him was really great. So 50s. good. He, I looks... mean, he, he fits that world so well. And yeah. I think that like he was in a time in his life, um, somebody said, well, I was reading all the interviews, and he was, at that point, Angelina, when he was filming, she was pregnant with the twins that year. So he was just about to become, I don't know, I just feel like he was great. I didn't ever think of it. He was at the right time in his life for this role. Yeah, me too. And I also think he kind of he stepped in late. Like um, Heath Ledger canceled a month before shooting, and he just was like, "Okay, why not?" Like it wasn't like I need to do this for my career or like whatever. He was just like, "You know what? I'd love to do that. Why not?" And I think I think the chemistry he had with Jessica Chastain was amazing, and I think that the role he played was very nuanced in that he loved his children. But he was very hard on his children, and he was a, and he was a, and in his head he felt a failure. But he pushed them so hard, and I think that's a, a nuanced, and hard thing to play. And I think he nailed it on the head. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that he was, um, definitely nuanced. I think that's a good yeah. word for it. That that what he was trying to do was very specific, and I think that he did it well. Um, yeah. and. I don't know. It was. It, I. I did think it was a great role for him, for sure. And I could. I liked that. I could tell that it was. It, like it had his his stink all over it, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um, it, he wasn't acting like himself. Um, exactly. Like it was. Like it was just nice to see our boy Brad. Like be a true. I don't know. It was just fucking professional. You know what it was? It's like at this point, now we are in 2011. Yeah. This is not 1999 Brad where he's excited to be in the movie. This is 2011 Brad where he is Brad fucking Pitt and he is the the biggest dick swinging swagger daddy. But he doesn't give a fuck. He just is truly, he's a family man who is a producer at this point. He's producing more than he's acting at this point. Well, what I was going to say, yeah, exactly. He's producing more than he's acting. Um, But what I was going to say is that he, he this movie needed him and he is of the level of professionalism now at this point in his life that he can just walk into the movie and do it and do it well because he's like oh i'm a fucking pro no it's not like it's not like he needs all this coddling to like be convinced to do a role like he did with um like seven or um you know, 12 monkeys or something where he needs the director to like, you know, hold his hand the whole way. He he goes in like a pro and is like, I can do this. Like I'm Brad Pitt and I can do this, but he doesn't think like that, but that's just how I think also though he is, I think that the role itself probably struck him a little bit, you know, having a brother and like having a father and growing up in the South and having simpler times, you know, be simpler times. And just before I forget, unrelated to Brad, but Terrence Malick, this, this movie is based on Terrence Malick's life for all intents and purposes. 
for all intents, it's not explicitly said, obviously, because nothing ex- is explicitly said, but he was raised in <laughs> Texas outside of Austin, which is where they yeah. shot this. Yeah. Um, and he, he had two brothers. One of them died early on. And so instead of being an architect who was Sean Penn, oh my God, by the way, Sean Penn's in this. <laughs> oh, yeah. So casually, apparently there was so much like extra footage of Sean Penn that they could have made a whole movie about I read that. from Sean Penn's perspective, which I and, think is great, and they should have. And Sean Penn was like, I was really unhappy with them. Basically, he was like, this movie makes no sense, and I'm unhappy with it. He's like... Oh, well, fuck you, Sean Penn. I mean, he's a horrible person. He's an amazing actor, though. Um, I didn't need him. I did not need him at any point throughout the whole thing. I, my no. favorite parts of that movie were just watching... A nuanced family in the beautiful natural light of Texas. It, it was like, beautifully shot. Is that's the thing? Is it yeah. was so pretty to look yeah. at, and it was nominated for an Oscar, and it didn't win. It was so relaxing, too. It was like almost sleepy. You know, it's tense, like even in the tensest moments, you're like. Well, the thing is, is it felt nostalgic, and I think that yeah, this is sort I of what that. I'm. Th- this is what I imagined about is like doing ayahuasca or something where you go into this like crazy cerebral deep dive into your own life. And this is what it, this is the, like, it feels like I was watching this movie and it felt like I was watching my own life, but I didn't live that life. Like that's not my life. Well, that's but the, the way it was it's, shot. It made me feel like I was watching my own. Well, memories. yeah, that's what the DP said. He said, it's meant to trigger memories in anybody. But they weren't my memories. They were triggering memories. I was like, ah, uh, yes. <laughs> like, but they weren't well, my memories. Well, that's what he said, though. Like a scent or a perfume. Like, like you feel like you should be remembering something. You know who has that effect is um, Van Morrison's. Van Morrison. Some of Van Morrison's mu- music, like I'll put it on at a picnic and I'll just look around and be like, ah, the good old days. And it's like, wait, what good old days? The 1960s that I wasn't in? <laughs> <laughs> Same with this. It's like, what good old days? The 50s where my dad yeah. was a fighter pilot? I don't think so. Yeah, like, what good old days where my dad would beat my mom and, like, the happiest times of our lives when he wasn't there? That's not my life at all. It's interesting that it didn't win. What won the Oscar that year? Ar- the artist won everything oh, that that's year. that's right. That's right. The artist did win everything. Because Brad Pitt was actually nominated for... Two Brad Pitt's movies were nominated for Best Picture, Tree of Life and Moneyball, both nominated for Best Picture oh, this year. Oh, which is next. Which I've Moneyball seen. is next, yeah, which is great. And then The Artist won Best Picture, and then Brad Pitt was also nominated for Best Actor for Moneyball. Um, <gasps> Brad Pitt was nominated for Best Actor? He's really, yeah. oh, he's really come into himself. I'm I so know, and, and Jean, or maybe his name is Jean Dujardin. Dujardin. Whoever, well, I don't know how to say his name, but he was the main actor and the artist, and he fucking won. Terrence Malick was nominated Best Director. The guy from The Artist won. <laughs> I never saw The Artist. Should I? Apparently I should. Apparently you should. It's, I mean, it seems... Then again, you know that the, the uh, Academy is trash. Like, they pick notoriously... They're not afraid to pick the wrong movie for Best Picture. They do it all the time. But also, um, this movie is not an Oscar-winning movie. It is a Palme d'Or-winning movie, which it did win. You're right. Yeah, that's true. Also, just a, another telling of the times, Woody Allen won for Best Original Screenplay that year. For what? Match Point? No, for uh, Midnight in Paris, which was not that good of a movie. I liked honestly. it. It was fine. It was a romp. Well, Whatever. that's the thing is, I went back to watch it recently because I was like, oh, I remember liking this movie when it came out. Yeah, it and then was I was like, movie. yeah, but then if you watch it now, it's like this is cheesy and really not that good. Why did it get nominated for so much shit? Well, I don't know. 
Also, Woody Allen is fucking garbage pedophile creep creep ball. <laughs> Our poor heroes, they're all the worst. You know who are the worst men? Men across the board, all men, except for all Terrence men, Malick. I 100% agree. All men except for Brad Pitt and Terrence Malick are trash. Ugh, I just Including really myself. I just want to give Brad Pitt a hug and smell his neck. I want to smell him. I really want to know what he smells like. <laughs> you know? What the hell does he smell like? I'll, I wonder if I'll be... I'll cry. I'll probably cry. Oh, um, I'll for sure cry. I oh mean, are we just going to cry? We're going to meet him, you know? I'm feeling... I feel like crying right now. Just, just thinking, thinking about, about it? I know, me too! <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about reception. But we're not fans. We are not fans of Brad Pitt. <laughs> it's so weird how over the course of this podcast, I have developed a true... Like fangirl crush on him. See, I feel I feel like it's not one hundred percent fangirl crush that I have. It's just like, like I'm a, not going to put his pictures up in my house. I I have a true love for him, like a familial love towards. Exactly, him. I have a very yeah. familiar feeling love for him. Where, yeah, which is just it sucks that I have. I this. I feel like I know him so well. <laughs> I know, and it sucks that I have this because if I ever did get the opportunity to meet him, it's going to be so weird for him and for me. <laughs> Because he doesn't know jack shit about me, and why should he? I haven't really done anything notable. (laughs) We've talked about how you smell for a year. (laughs) Yeah, Brad, quick question. Do you mind if I just give you one quick sniff? I just gotta know. It's the one thing, Uh, it's truly the one thing that I don't know about him. Yeah. You know? We really couldn't tell. You can't. I bet his changes, his, his smells have changed, though. I bet he was a fully, like, Santal guy. I think he was really a patchouli guy for a little while. I mean, Lord knows what he smelled like when he was dating Juliette Lewis. Probably cigarettes. Well, cigarettes. He smelled like cigarettes. Um, and probably B.O. I get the sense that he didn't wear a lot of deodorant. And I, I get the sense you, that he still why, doesn't. I think that's why we're so hung up on the way he smells. Because I think if he wasn't a superstar, he would smell really bad. Honestly and truly. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's time for ratings. What? Already? Yeah, we're 40 minutes in, my little bitchy. Holy shiza. Um, okay, well, let me see if there's anything else that I want to say before we do it. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. At the very beginning, there was a little thing that said, you should turn up for optimal viewing. Yes. Turn your volume up. And so I did. Yeah. I did. And then it was just fucking loud, the whole movie. No, I thought the sound design across the board was amazing. No, it was. It was good sound design, but I didn't need to turn it up. Yeah. I could hear it just fine. It was just too loud, so I had to turn it back down. Um, I don't. I guess there's really not much else to say, right? Like we've gushed about Brad Pitt. Um, well, I'm just trying to see if there's anything I wrote because I was looking. I have two sets of notes. What was your favorite part of the movie? Um, when Brad cries. Really? I love it when he cries. Let's post a picture of Brad Pitt crying. I love it when he cries. I think he's at his best when he's crying or flirting. I said that several times. There was a moment yeah. where he said, "You're all I have, and you're all I want to have, my sweet boy." After oh, yeah. he was speaking, he you know, like That's a really, he's really harsh. He's like so harsh and terrible to his son, and then he says that to him, and I just blubber, blubber, blubber. After sitting there, like being kind of tired. <laughs> yeah, it's a journey. It's a journey, and I just thought it was... I, th- I think that was my favorite part. But again, I think my favorite part of the movie is thinking about the movie, which is such a weird thing to say. Looking no, back true. on it is nicer... Is I feel happy when I think about watching it. There's some movies that are are 
hard to to sit through, but you're so glad that you watched them. And yeah. I think this is one of those movies. Another have you one is any other Terrence Malick movies? I haven't. No, I haven't seen any. He's got doesn't he have I a new one? I saw the Thin Red Line, out? but that's like pretty straightforward. No, I haven't seen that either. Um, have you seen the movie Leviathan? No. It's super weird, but um, I'm glad I watched it, and I don't want to ever watch it again. But I'm glad that I watched it once, and I it's the same thing as this. Well, it's not the same thing as this, but it's the same feeling that I get. Yeah. Um, okay, what other Terrence Malick movies are there? So there's the Fountain. Um, there's um, the Thin Red Line, which is about Vietnam, and yeah, this one. Knight of Cups, To the Wonder, The New World, Days of Heaven, Badlands. Badlands, 1973. How old is this dude? He's real old. But remember, he was publishing Heidegger translations at 25. So he made made Tree of Life when he was 65. So he's fucking old. Yeah, because now this movie, A Hidden Life, is about to come out. Ooh. I'm ready to do ratings, I guess. Or should we do numbers? No, I want to do the critic. Oh, did you? Yeah, do numbers. Do numbers. And then I'll do critics ratings. Okay, so like I said before, the budget was $32 million total. It it had a weird box office because it opened next to Hangover 2 and mm. Kung Fu Panda 2, mm. which were the top two spots on the box office. And all the way down at number 15 was this movie, The Tree of Life, making $373,000. This is not not for the people. (laughs) $373,000. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. But, okay, granted, it did have, it only opened in four theaters, so it was was like $90,000 per theater, which is the highest per theater uh, gross out of any movies that were happening at the time. So there is that. Um, and then eventually it opened in more theaters and, and was in a wide release. Um, it made more money for its total domestic gross to be $13.3 million, So it didn't make its money back uh, for domestic. Internationally, it made $48.4 million, probably because of the Cannes Award, um, the Palme d'Or. And then its DVD sales were $5.5 million for a grand total of everything to be $67.2 million. So it did okay. make its money back. Um, at least. I don't think anybody made this movie expecting for it to make a shitload of money. I don't think it was... That's not what it was for. It was because Terrence Malick wanted to make a film, and he did, and they made some money. But it's... Um, I mean, honestly, making $35 million is not bad. No. <laughs> um, but it's not Compared to other Brad Pitt it. movies, though. In the world of Brad Pitt, that's not great. I, I just think if you have Brad Pitt in your fucking movie... And you don't make millions of dollars, you fucked up. <laughs> or he, you're Terry Malick and you make shit that the general public isn't going to watch. Do you think people call him Terry? Yeah, everybody calls him Terry. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's all of fine. these quotes I have is like, Terry this and Terry that. He goes by oh, Terry. Terry. I'm going to call him yeah, Terry. So he's, he's Terry to me. Um, so let me talk to you about the general reception. Which, considering how little money it made, it did very well in the review process. Um, 85% of critics gave the film a positive review, based on 272 reviews, with an average rating of 8.1 out of 10. Um, The site's critics' consensus reads, Terrence Malick's singularly deliberate style may prove unrewarding for some, but for patient viewers, the tree of life is an emotional as well as visual treat. Metacritic... um, Weighted a rating out of ten out of a hundred reviews, it has an eighty-five. Wait. Oh wow! 
That's high no, no, for Metacritic. Sorry, Metacritic, 85 based on 50 reviews, indicating universal acclaim. Roger motherfucking Ebert is obsessed with this movie. It's almost as if he wanted to literally fuck it, the rave that he gave it. Wow. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> he was like this was about me this is about my life I know everything about it um, he goes there's a father who maintains discipline and a mother who exudes forgiveness and long summer days of play and idleness and urgent unsaid questions about the meaning of things and that was me and that's how I live so he gave it four stars Couldn't have. I've never read a, such a good Ebert review and then the EW gave it a B plus without really saying why other than just recapping it okay well that's kind of fair who reviewed it for EW? It wasn't our guy, was it? Thing is, no, it wasn't our guy. It was a girl. I think that you you can't really give this movie a bad review because you know in your guts that it's good. You know it's intentioned. You know it's, yeah. it's thoughtful. So what is your overall of the movie? My total overall. Um, I would give it a... Seven and a half. I want to give it an eight and a half. Here's why I'm giving it seven and a half. Because I know that it is an objectively good and well-made, interesting movie. So I'm not giving it a low or bad rating. Yeah. But in terms of movies that I want to watch, this is not a movie that I want to watch again. So that's why it loses points because I... I recognize its significance and its achievements, but I don't want to watch it again. And that's totally fair. So, but you want to give it an 8.5? I want to give it an 8.5 for the same reasons, but I do want to watch it again. I want to think about it a little bit more. I just feel like it's not often that I get this feeling that I have when I think about it, which is very warm and loving. And I, I think that deserves some extra footage outside of the like spectacular filmmaking and the, and the way that it was made. Yeah, I just feel like I have this like really warm feeling when I think about it, and I think that merits some extra points. Okay, fair enough. Okay, well, what do you think about Brad's? Uh, let's switch it up and do his looks before we do his performance. I mean, he fit that bill so well. So, what do you give his looks? <sighs> so, like, how do we do our looks again? Fuckability or like? Well, it's just kind of a combination of um, nine likability. Nine. Okay, nine. I was going to give him an eight. Yeah, he looks so great. Because he looks, I mean, he's solid. He looks good. He looks like he's supposed to look. He looks healthy and, you know, supple. Yeah, he fits so, the bill. He looks good. Oh Pretty my God. solid middle of the road. Not extraordinary, though. That's why it's an eight, not a nine or a ten. Because, I mean, it's not, I'm not blown away. But he you know what? You're great. right. I'm going to move mine down to an eight. I'm not blown away, but he does look great. That's pretty, yeah. that's a high score. He deserves that's it. That's a high, eight is a high score. Now for acting. His acting. I'm giving him a 10. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm giving a him a 10. 10. I honestly, this is, besides Legends of the Fall, I think he's legitimately great in this role. I think he fucking nailed it to the wall. I can't imagine him doing better. I didn't want anything from him. I'm giving him a 10 and I, it feels so weird to give 10s. Right yeah, now. you very seldom give a 10. I'll never give you a 10. Well, I'm giving him an eight and a half because I think he was great. Solid, solid performance. Really good performance. I wasn't, to me, it wasn't like, I wasn't earth shattered by his performance. I was earth shattered because um, he cried. He cries in fucking everything now. Yeah, he can do cry. that. It was a good cry. He's a good crier. 
he's a good crier now. I, but I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I loved his performance. I'm not giving him a bad review. Um, but I do see where you're coming from in the ten thing. Yeah. He's good. It was good. Um. Oh. <laughs> Did you send me a little heart? Maybe. Yeah, I figured out how to do that. Oh. Um, okay. So are we completed? Yeah, I guess that is. Um, the Tree of Life by Ter- by Terry Malick. By Terry Malley. Um, and next week, tune in for Moneyball, starring Brad Pitt. And Jonah Hill. And Fucking Jonah Moneyball. Hill. I have been waiting to watch Moneyball really since we have. started this podcast. Very and excited. I won't sh- I'm, so, I'm so glad to shut up about it, finally. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to watch it. It's, I'm, it's always fun to have a good movie to look forward to. What if I don't like it anymore? Like, what if I remember it so well, but I, I actually don't like it? You know, it's about baseball, right? Uh, yeah, well, it's about people, Chelsea, but, um, <laughs> baseball is the, is the subject, I guess. Uh, I do love a baseball movie and I don't care for baseball in general, but they, for some reason, baseball and movies go together really well. So I'm looking forward to They do that. because, and we'll discuss it more when we talk about the actual movie, but something about, uh, baseball is just, it feels so like distinctly American. American. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Okay, great. So there's some nostalgia there too. Anyway. All right. We'll so get into excited. that. We'll talk to you later. I love you, Mike. I'm Lady Gaga. Thanks for being here with us. And I'm Bradley Cooper. (laughs) 